little bit here. Justin's going to be back up for some announcements. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. It's good to worship with you all. I love it. Uh, again, I'm Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad to see you. Really glad, especially if you are new with us. If you are new with us, Pete, who just was playing mandolin and is giving the message today, would be so happy to meet you at the end of the service. He'll be out there in the lobby at the Welcome Center, and you can just say hi to him. He's got a gift for you uh, as a way of just saying, hey, we're so glad that you're here. We really do hope that you experience the love of God in everyone who's here this morning as we're uh, worshiping together. Our purpose here together as a church body is to love God, love people, and change the world. And every week we have the opportunity to give towards that as another act of worship. Um, there are a couple ways to do that. Uh, there is a way to do that electronically, as I do. Uh, there's also the uh, opportunity, if you would like to do giving more like manually, you can do that on uh, either side of the doors at the back of the room. There are boxes there that you can put offerings in. However we're giving today, I just want to pray over it, okay? God, thank you so much for your generosity and your love toward us, and we're just giving uh, just a small portion of what you've given us uh, back to you, and we ask that you would do the things that you do, that you would receive it, that it would be pleasing to you, and that also that you would breathe on it and turn it into more and more people knowing how much you love them and giving them a place and a hope and a future forever with you, and we ask it in your name, Jesus, amen. So blessings on your giving, however you're doing that. If you would take out your program, uh, we ask that everybody in there, uh, in that program, is a connection card. We ask that everybody who comes on a Sunday morning fill one of those out. Uh, I don't have one right now. Can somebody show me what one looks like this week? All right, great. You're doing awesome. So on the front side, there's a place for your information. On the, on the back, there is a place for uh, prayer requests. And we want you to know that every week, our staff and our prayer people Pray for those. And so if you would be so willing as to put a prayer request on there, we would love to pray uh, alongside you or for you, whatever you'd put on there. And um, we just thank you for doing that. There's also a place for uh, God stories. So if God has done something really cool in your life, you could write that on there, and we would love to celebrate alongside you. You can put those connection cards in those boxes at the uh, back of the room on uh, either side of the doors, and we appreciate you doing that. We have a celebration Sunday for Justin Law. That's me. This coming Sunday, uh, next Sunday, October 29th, uh, I'm going to be the new lead pastor at South Metro Vineyard over in Burnsville. And so my last Sunday is next Sunday, and we're going to have a party instead of doing two services, okay? So you can come to this service just as you normally would. We're only having one service. It's the 1030, okay? And after that, there's going to be a potluck that follows. So what you could do is uh, RHV is going to provide pulled pork sandwiches, and you are invited to bring a side dish or a dessert chair, okay? So that's how that's going to work. We're going to do that next week. Going to be a celebration. Um, we also have Trunk or Treat coming up. That is Tuesday, October 31st. It's 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. And you are invited to our Trunk, and tr trunk or Treat event. Um, and it's going to be really great. It's going to be out here in the parking lot. It's a fun event for kids to dress up and get candy and prizes. And there will be yard games as well. There's going to be a fire in the back with hot dogs. And you can help this happen and be awesome for the kids in a few different ways. You could sign up to decorate your trunk and pass out candy, okay? That's the trunk of your car. 
Sign up. Also, you can sign up to donate your... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> sign up. <laughs> Just didn't want there to be any. Okay. All right. You can also sign up to donate... I'm saying this is going to be bad every time I say this now. Okay. You can sign up to donate uh, your, your, <laughs> the, your vehicle for the youth group to decorate. And you could also sign up to volunteer helping with yard games or the fire pit. Um, I have loved helping with that. It's just really cool to see people being loved and connecting and being cared for. The last thing you could do is you could donate candy because we're going to be giving out tons and tons and tons of it. There's a trash can right out there in the lobby uh, where you can uh, put that in there. It's, we're just collecting uh, the donations for that. And it's going to be a great event, and you're going to hopefully make it be an awesome one. Um, the holidays... Uh, can be a challenging time when you're grieving loss, can't they? And so we're inviting you to a two-hour seminar called Surviving the Holidays. And the material from this is from Grief Share, which is being led by Patty Coppy, who's right over here, and she's awesome. Yeah, so we do have a Grief Share group here at RHV. And the seminar provides encouragement, support, valuable resources to navigate uh, the season after losing someone you love. And so let us know you're coming to that. You can just do that on your connection card. You'll see that there. We also have the Thanksgiving giveaway coming up, November 17th through 18th. It's one of the best things that happens uh, in this church body uh, throughout the year. There is an insert in your program with lots of details, so you can look at that and get more than what I'm going to say right now. But the annual Thanksgiving giveaway uh, will be helping 500 families this year with food and clothing for Thanksgiving. And you can help that happen in three ways. You could donate financially. Um, you know, this event obviously is, is very expensive to do. It's a sacrifice towards loving people. Um, but here's a great piece of news about this. There's an anonymous donor who has agreed to match dollar for dollar everything given towards the giveaway, which means whatever you're giving, you just multiply it by two. And isn't that amazing? It's really great. And so this is an amazing opportunity for us to have a really great outreach. So you can give electronically. There's going to be a Q, there are QR codes up here. You got the donate one there, and then there's the volunteer one. So uh, you can uh, you can donate towards that, and just uh, if you do the QR code, it's I think it's going to pull up the Thanksgiving giveaway thing. So you, so the money goes to the right place. If you are you know giving by check, you could just write Thanksgiving giveaway on that. Um, and then uh, you can also donate your gently used clothing. And beginning November 5th, you can bring that gently, gently used clothing. I'm killing that both services. Gently used clothing to the church. And so uh, you can just check out. There are guidelines in your insert to tell you what clothes are going to be the good ones to bring and which aren't. So, uh, And then the third thing you can do is you can volunteer. And there's that QR code for volunteering right there. You could volunteer to help uh, at this event and serve at it. Um, we need lots and lots of volunteers to make this event run smoothly. And so you can use those QR codes. You can also uh, sign up on your connection card to be a part of it. And we'd love to see you do that. Let's see. I think that is it. We need to dismiss the middle schoolers to middle church right now. And why don't you say hi to somebody around you? And Pete's going to be up with a great message in just a moment. Did you hear first service?
morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am glad we can be together today. We are in the sixth week of an eight-week series called Suburban Idols. We're taking a look at the things in our everyday lives, us here in the Burbs, uh, that we have a tendency to put as more important than God. Anytime we do that, the Bible says that's idolatry. And one of the things I've been reflecting on lately is the relationship between the greatest commandment and idolatry. Jesus said the greatest commandment in the Bible has two parts. First, love God with everything you've got. Love God with your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And then he says there's a second part that's like the first, and that is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, he points out that your neighbor is the person not like you from a different place, a different religion, a different tribe, and all those things. Some years ago, I read a book by Pastor Tim Keller that talked about something I had seen many times in Scripture but never noticed. And that's that in the Old Testament, every time the people of God turn from God to worshiping idols, immediately the poor are oppressed and injustice becomes common. It's like clockwork. When Israel turned to a God, other than the God we know through Jesus, they started to hoard wealth and mistreat people for money. It is as if when God's at the center of our lives, we love well, and when anything else, including money, is at the center of our lives, we stop loving people well. And that got me to thinking about my own relationship with money, and today I'm going to preach a little bit more personally than usual. I have a reverse testimony for you. Uh, I've never heard a reverse testimony before. I can't wait to see how it turns out. So for most of my life, money has had very little hold on me. My mom taught me to tithe as a kid. That means give 10% of any money you get back to God. Christmas presents, money we worked for, babysitting, whatever. I loved giving coins in children's church. Later on, I got a job at McDonald's. I would tithe off my $3 an hour salary. In college, I even tithed my student loans, and even in the years of drug addiction, I remember giving 10% of my loan check to Amnesty International because torture is bad, and even on drugs and not going to church, I knew giving is good, and so I gave even when I was a pretty starving student working full-time and lots of times not enough to eat. My parents and the churches my mom brought me to as a kid taught me money is never more important than God or people. Could I get an amen to that? Money is actually never more important than God or people. And I didn't worry about money as long as I had enough to eat. I spent and borrowed more than I wished that I had, especially the money that I blew on drugs. But I don't think money was in danger of being much of an idol in my life. My desire was to graduate, make $23,000 a year as a teacher in Arizona, and that would have been great. Uh, life didn't go exactly that way. I ended up going to graduate school in Flagstaff. And I ended up finishing school with $45,000 in student loans, which today is laughable. That's like one year for a lot of students today. But when I graduated with $45,000 in student loans, making $9 an hour, it seemed like, <laughs> right? It took a couple years working in tech to get rid of those loans. My ex-wife and I lived off one salary and used the other one to wipe out our debt. We lived way below our means, and it paid off. I had experienced a call to full-time ministry while I was in grad school, but I don't think I could have fulfilled that call with these giant loan payments. And so I got to take a 66% pay cut and move from being a web systems administrator at the University of St. Thomas to being an associate pastor at the church in the basement by the beer stube. That was a good day. I am so grateful for all the chances that I had to give 
through all those years. I look back, I don't regret, I couldn't afford a car. We would scrimp to go to a $1 movie once a month and bring our own popcorn in secret in a bag. Uh, I don't regret any of that. I got to support churches and college ministry friends and missionaries to Africa, Asia, South America, and right here in the U.S. And I would love to end my reverse testimony right here. But unfortunately, it has gotten worse for me. I think one way we can tell when we have spiritual issues is when we're not able to honor Scripture. We're not able to, like, receive God's love enough to live the way that God invites us to live for our own good. And for the first time in my life, over the last six or seven years in lead pastoring, I have begun to struggle in my relationship with money. For me, the evidence of some kind of idolatry in my heart is that I am worrying. Anybody worry? Turns out the Bible says don't do that. Even Jesus specifically says do not worry. And I'm not so much worried about my own finances, although we're in a tough spot, just had a wedding, everything's real challenging right now. Um, I have been worrying about River Heights Vineyard's finances, and that's because I have work that I need to do in my heart. I'm not worrying for anybody else's reasons. We all have reasons to worry. Could I get an amen? How much good does it do you? Yeah, like none, right? One of my favorite Bible passages is from Philippians 4, 6 to 7, and here's what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love this verse because it starts with something impossible and then tells us how to do the impossible. It starts off with, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. I don't know about you, but that sounds impossible. Like, how on earth can anybody do that? I'm capable of not worrying about much. I can totally remember to pray about the important things. But the Apostle Paul, writing while he's in jail on charges that could get him executed, he raises the bar. He says, no, no, no. Don't ever worry. And pray about everything. And I don't know. How on earth can we live like that? With all our challenges and weaknesses, how can you and I become people who live without worry and pray about everything? Well, the cool thing in this passage is that the next verses show us how to do the impossible thing that that verse says. The next verses say, one, tell God what you need, and two, thank God for what he's done. God calls us to live a life of both gratitude and awareness of our need at the same time. And remember, Jesus lived with us. He knows the fragility and challenges of human life and the pain of loss. He had to flee with his family to Egypt as a refugee, which has never been a good deal in any history of mankind. He got to be an immigrant living in a foreign land. He had no home for years, traveling and sleeping wherever he could. Our God knows the kinds of needs we have. No matter how well things are going, no matter how much we have, no matter how poorly things are going, or how little we have. And God says, tell me your needs. It is written in the command form. God wants you to tell him what you need. God is relational, and the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you is love. When both of you speak and listen, 
when you and God are honest with each other for each other's good, when you give God your weaknesses and challenges, that's the kind of loving and trusting relationship that God wants to have with you. And so I invite you right now to take out your connection card and to write down on your connection card some prayer needs. You can take that home with you as a reminder to tell God what you need, or you can drop it in the connection card box, and we on staff and our prayer team will be praying for you and asking God to give you what you need. Telling God our needs is half the battle in learning not to worry, and the other half is gratitude. No matter how little we have, there's always something to be grateful for. Could I get an amen? My buddy Curtis sent me a picture of the autumn blaze tree located on a lawn at his work, and it makes me think of God every time I look at it. It's in my pocket right now. It's hard to stress out while you're thanking God for waking up or for a friend or a kind word or some kind of health you've got that other people don't, and gratitude counters worry. My wife Taylor and I have a friend named Richard who hangs out at Drax Pub pretty much every day. Richard and his wife, who's deaf, Julie, they're hilarious. Richard has one of the best attitudes I've ever seen on a human being. Recently, he cut off his pinky while he was doing woodwork, which is one of the things he did. And then he went and got a tattoo that says, Gone Fishing, on the stump of his pinky. His first tattoo. And I've asked him, Richard, how is your attitude so good all the time? I love being around you. And he said, I'll tell you why. As soon as I start to talk about what's wrong in my life, my wife says, I woke up deaf today. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> and he says, every time I realize how much I have to be thankful for, whether I've got 10 fingers or nine. I woke up able to hear today. I am super grateful for music. They let me be on a worship team here. I get to hear my kids' voices, and most of the time, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad for the worship songs that we get to sing together. Even on a bad day, I can hear. So I practice gratitude as often as I can. I love slowing down. When I get discombobulated, when I'm getting stressed out, and I realize this is go no good, I feel bad, I need to fix this, I say, I need to share three things I'm thankful for. If I'm with someone, I might do it with them. If I'm alone, I might do it with me. And just like you, it's like hard to make yourself do that. I'll be like, self, that sounds lame. You've done that before. It's not going to work now. Your stress is way too large. And I'll be like, shut up, self. I'm going to give it a shot. And then I have a debate. And then eventually, okay, fine. I can hear today. That's nice. Where's that darn tree? It's in my pocket. Man, that tree's beautiful. You know, and then whatever number three is. And so there's two things here, praying for our needs and expressing our gratitude that leads to verse 7, which says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And that is the kind of life that I want. And honestly, that's the kind of life I have mostly had. I have had 10-year stretches without worries. Let me testify. God's peace, guarding your heart and your mind, is worth everything it takes to get there. If it sounds hard to tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done all the time, trust me, the rewards are worth it. How much would you pay for peace, guarding your heart and mind 24-7? Unfortunately, I have struggled to find that peace in the last couple few years. Instead of honoring God's invitation to live this way, I have been worrying. 
And I know that's not a problem with my circumstances. God has been faithful to us and to me for decades, probably longer than that. And God's going to be faithful to us again. I know that my worry is a heart problem. I lead the Ministerial Association here in Invergrove Heights, and I'm pretty well connected in the vineyard and to all my Lutheran seminary friends. I've seen so many lead pastors develop bad health habits, experience burnout, and quit ministry in the last five years. Carrying responsibility for our churches while the country goes through COVID and our congregations fight about science and anti-science and the stupid politics that are going on in the culture around us, all of that stuff hurt. And of course, pastors aren't the only person struggling through all that stuff. Healthcare providers had it worse. And I have heard lots of stories from you and our congregation about the exceptional challenges we face during COVID, losing people we love, not being able to have a funeral, so many different things that people have gone to. Uh, but I have found that my peace has actually gotten harder to find in the last year and a half. Uh, River Heights Vineyard did so well financially through the entirety of COVID. Our giving stayed strong. We were able to continue our ministries. Celebrate Recovery closed very briefly, opened right back up. Relapse and suicide rates were skyrocketing in the recovery community, and that's why we chose to open up as soon as we could. Loaves and fishes tripled the amount of people they were serving up to right now, quadrupled 175 to 200 people four times a week. And Cahill Place, the long-term homeless family housing that we worked for four years to help get built in this community, finally started getting residents. And the generosity of our members kept this church going strong through a season where 20% of churches in America shut down. Then last year, we sent 30 people with Pastor Jeff Connor to plant Refuge Vineyard in Rosemont. Y'all did that. We did that. We sent a lot of people who tithe, who give 10% of their income to the church, along with that church plant. And we wound up having our first year of financial challenges in a long time. In particular, we had some expensive building repairs that tapped us out. Toward the end of last year, we found ourselves $40,000 in the hole, and we brought that to our members and asked you to consider giving beyond your regular giving, and people pledged to do so, and we ended the year well. We've been in a place this last year of most months being at or ahead of budget, but we have had a couple months that were cratered way below average. We're about $30,000 behind what we budgeted for, and that's as limited a budget as we can manage. We have cut costs everywhere we can, We've asked La Vina, our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters in the other half of the building, to pay for expenses that we were covering. Uh, but it's been hard. And right now, we have a furnace that has been red-tagged and will not be allowed to be used. Would anybody like to be warm this winter? Anybody? Brent's like, no. Uh-uh. I don't need that. <laughs> I will stare into the soul of winter, and I will win. All right. Uh, the dishwasher broke again. Loaves and Fishes uses that all the time, and we can't afford to fix it right now. In short, we have had a tough year financially, and we're sending out Justin Law to be the lead pastor of South Metro Vineyard Church, which is awesome. Could we give it up for Justin right now? Remember, what time is church next week? 10.30. That's right. Come to the party. Um, Jesus has called Justin to this new job, and if you follow Jesus for long, you learn when God does stuff, it's for everybody's good. In this world, we tend to play people against each other, but that's not how God's stuff works. God's stuff works. God plans good for every person involved when God calls people to do things. 
At the same time, it appears that as Justin leaves with just a few of his friends and family, we're going to be losing about the amount of giving that it takes to cover Justin's salary here. And we do really need a worship pastor here. So we're talking with our worship leaders, and what we want to do, of course, is hire someone quarter time or half time, as soon as humanly possible, pray for us, that we can take care of our worship arts community well through the transition. And this is bringing me to the reverse part of my testimony. For the first time in my life, I have become someone who's worrying way too often enough to get sick about finances. And this is not on God. God's been so incredibly faithful to River Heights Vineyard through the years. And it's not on you, the community here, who has kept us ministering and has helped me love God and love people. You have been a wonderful church that makes me uh, grow in faith. The problem is somewhere in here. And I just want to invite you to consider today, can you identify with that a little bit? Are there places in your life where you've made money or other things so important that you feel like you have to worry about them? How much good does it do this church if I make myself sick worrying and wake up at 3 in the morning and spend the night laying there? Does anybody feel like that's a good use of my time? No, not one person. It's not a good use of your time either. Worry doesn't change tomorrow. Worry doesn't make you feel the faith that will help you face the challenges that you're worrying about. Worry doesn't connect you to the God who loves you and has what you need to get through. And so I want to hear what Jesus has to say about worrying about money. We're going to look at Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Jesus says this, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to God than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So Jesus' answer to our worries is seek the kingdom, live rightly, and trust God. Seeking the kingdom is what we do when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. The kingdom of God breaks into this world when God's will is done on earth. Living rightly is a matter of following the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life as well as the things you know to be right and wrong. And of course, trust in God is the opposite of worry. What are we saying when we worry? I'm afraid it will go bad. 
What are we saying when we trust God? God, I know you're going to make it work out for the good. It might lead through the cross. It might lead through the valley. But you're going to make it work out good in the end. And I'm doing my best to practice this right now, but I'm still concerned for River Heights. I believe we're going to make our way out of this. I believe we're going to continue growing as we have been. We've had so many visitors just the last two weeks, but we have visitors every week. I believe we're going to find our way to financial health. But what I have been failing to do is trust God for how we're going to get there. Has this ever happened for you? Have you been in a place where the peace of God is not flowing into your heart and through you into the world? Where worries or fears about finances or other things are dominating your mind and affecting your body? If so, I'm going to invite you to take two steps with me that I have found helpful when stuff like this crops up. If you want to take these steps with me, you could take out your phone. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is increase my giving to the church. Uh, Taylor and I are actually in a tough spot right now <laughs> uh, with the wedding. Uh, but I have learned something super important. And when I say learned, not with my head, but with living and with knowing people. The Bible says in Malachi in the Old Testament, if we give generously to the temple, God's going to bless us way more than we're generous. And for me, that has proven to be true every time I have given to the church, whatever churches I've been attending, whatever age that I've been. I want to increase the blessing that I'm getting from God right now because I am struggling right now. And so for decades, when finances are tough, we increase our giving. I want to recommend that to you. If you're having a hard time with worries, if you're having a hard time trusting God, imagine God can come through if you have less. It's very neat when God does that over and over and over and over and over and over. The second thing I'm going to do that I invite you to do with me is to pray a prayer of repentance. Repentance means changing your mind. It means accepting that what you've been thinking or doing is not helping and saying, God, I want to go your way instead. John Wimber founded the vineyard, and he would always teach, the way in is the way on. And what that means is we grow in our faith the same way we start our faith. We start our faith by coming to Jesus, by giving him what we've got and receiving whatever he has for us. And the way we grow in our faith is to come to Jesus again. You got new stuff, don't you? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I got stuff all the time. We come to Jesus, we give God our stuff. And then he gives us back whatever it is that he has for us. The more you do that, the longer you do that, the more you grow, the more mature you become. If you're struggling with financial worry, if you're struggling with any of the idols we've covered in this series, I want to invite you to pray with me and say amen at the end. And of course, there's a lot of ways money can be an idol in your life. I can't cover them all in one day. You might struggle with materialism. You might have a poverty mentality. No amount could ever be enough. I'll never have enough. You might struggle with greed. Maybe you keep your money walled off from God as if God does not own you and your money and everything around you. Or you might find that money is a place where you can't experience God's love when God actually wants to love you in every way through all things. Maybe you just have a life where money's never been enough. Whatever the case, 
We can take our money problems, our worry problems, our idolatries to God in prayer. And I'd like to do that together. I'm going to start by telling God uh, what we're thankful for, and I'm going to end by telling God what we need, which is backwards from the verse, but it's how I wrote it here, and it's how I like to pray. God, we give you gratitude, thanks. As far as I'm aware, we can hear today. Thank you for the ability to hear. Thank you for music. Thank you for song. You've been faithful to this church and these people. You brought us here today. You empowered us to send out the refuge and send Justin to South Metro Vineyard. You've done such good stuff that we can share good things with the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for Jesus, God. God, we ask for your power to seek your kingdom, live righteously, and trust you in all things. We want to see your will be done right here on earth like it is in heaven. And we want to live in a way that pleases you. And we want to know that you're going to work things out for good, even when it looks hard for us. And I pray for River Heights specifically, God. Bring us six new tithing people or families. Bring us 30 people increasing their giving. Because you give them more or you call us to give more. Whatever the way, God, rescue us from the financial peril that we have been facing. And together we can say, amen. I want to invite the worship team to come back up here. I want to invite you to stand as you're able. We're going to go into worship and prayer, which is the most important thing you can do on a Sunday when you get to church. I want to give you three tips as well, something to read, pray, and do that will help you connect to the love of God that we have found in the Word of God today. Tip number one, read Matthew 6. That's the words of Jesus. It's right in the middle of the greatest sermon in the history of the world. It's good stuff. Number two, I am asking you, would you pray for yourself and for River Heights Vineyard? And how did we learn to pray today? Two things. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Do that for yourself and for River Heights Vineyard this week. Tip number three is give generously however God leads you to give. It might go differently for you. I just find when I pray to God about worries about money, I suddenly feel an urge to give away something to someone somehow. And so I just want to invite you, whatever it is that God invites you to be generous toward as you pray about your own finances and worries, be generous. Generosity works out well in the end. I'll lead us in a transitional prayer. If you're on the prayer team, now would be a great time to come forward. You can get prayer for anything here on a Sunday. Uh, today you might want prayer for money-related stuff, but there's all the other things going on in our lives. Come get prayer however God directs you to get it. God, we come together before you as your people, and uh, we just ask God, would you receive us as we are? And would you give us back whatever you have? pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now to make a supernatural exchange with every person here who's hanging on to something that hurts. I pray that you would help us let go right now, God. And I pray that in the place of the things that hurt us, you would give us what's in your hands, whatever it might be. I just feel like God wants to pour out trust. Uh, trust can sometimes exceed our understanding just like God's peace God bless you to trust in a better tomorrow God bless you to know that God does see a light at the end of your tunnel 
God bless you to know that there is a way through and it is going to turn out well because you are a beloved child of God. Amen. We'll transition into worship. The team will lead us through communion and let us know when the service is over. If you're here visiting, I'd love to meet you at the Welcome Center today. Let's worship together.